God is good. So this morning, I'm preaching on our living hope. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter 3, um, I know I need that fan, but would you mind someone just turning it more towards the people? Otherwise, my notes are going to flap everywhere. That's awesome. 1 Peter 3. I'm actually going to read off the board. It's a different version. And um, before I read that, I just want to, there's a part in it that says this. And this is what, when I was sitting in um, uh, worship last week, and this simple line came to me about our living hope. And I was like, I know that's a scripture somewhere. You know, like I can kind of quote scriptures, but I don't necessarily know exactly where they're from. So thank the Lord for Google. Come along, Google. I said, our living hope. It's 1 Peter 1 verse 3. And it says this, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope. And Ron mentioned some of it during, during worship time, but we're living in unprecedented times. I think there's, uh, there's moments of peace and there's moments of war. It's the fan behind me. Apologize. There we go. I actually asked for the fan and now I'm switching it off. But anyway, it's the way it goes. Um, we're talking about our living hope, which is Jesus. And we're living in just really difficult, difficult times. And I think sometimes in Dubai, we can get in a bubble. For some reason, we are one of the safest places in the world, which is amazing. And we thank God for that. We, we thank God for our leaders of this nation. Thank you that they've been uh, benevolent and have opened their arms to, to Christianity and, 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 uh, and they're allowing churches to, to flourish and grow in, 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 a, in, in the midst of, a, of a, a Muslim state. And I think some of God's blessing is on that. But if you look at the rest of the world, there's some tough things going down. You just switch on the news. I watched another shooting of some innocent dude lying on the ground with his hands up. He said, I don't have a gun. I'm looking after this one guy, and he gets shot. And the cop even goes, I don't know why I shot you. And then you go to Baghdad a couple of weeks ago, 200 people killed in, an, in a suicide attack. Last week was uh, the, the whole thing that happened in Nice where a truck literally mowed through people. I don't know what the final death count was, but it was over 80 people. And um, I had a whole list here. What's happening in Turkey is also just crazy. There's, there's an anti-authority spirit. There's a, uh, a spirit of hate. And, I'm, and I've been searching God and saying, God, like, we know that your, your kingdom has been on this planet for 2,000 years, even before that, but Jesus inaugurated his kingdom. Why are we not seeing more? And I, I just the real sense that I got is that the, we're living in the birth pains of, of the last times. Who knows, it might be 1,000 years, it might be 500, it might be 200, it might be tomorrow that Jesus comes back. But we have to keep ourselves ready. And I went back to Romans because I think when we have big questions about life, let's go to the, the book of the author of life. Sometimes it's difficult to understand. Sometimes it's incredibly easy to understand. But as I started to read through Romans and realized that the state of the world is due to humankind rejecting their creator. It's as simple as that. Well, no matter what theory you have around it is that, that there was a perfect human being, Adam and Eve, they lived on this earth, unbroken communion with God. There was a sin that took place. They disobeyed God, they disobeyed his authority, which is always the thing. Satan disobeyed God's authority, he wanted God's authority, and sin came into the world. And since then, we've been living in, 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 in that catastrophic moment. There is sin bound up inside of us. Those of you with kids or with toddlers know that you don't have to teach them to sin. Am I right? Travis and Kirsty, Ramsey. It just... 
It happens naturally, am I right? It's just, there's, there's, there's a naughtiness inside all of, all of us. I remember when I was about 11 years old, I may have told the story, but I stole 20 rand from my mom. Off the counter, there was a pile of 20s. Now you have to realize back then, that's equivalent of now about 100 dirhams, maybe more. And I was like, stoked, I'm going to go to the shops. And who remembers Wildcats? Remember Wildcats, or was it a South African thing? It was a cartoon, and you'd have a sticker book, and then you'd buy the stickers, and you'd fill the sticker Well, I've got 20 rand. I can buy, I bought packs for about five or six of my friends. And, uh, and, and honestly, in my mind, like you know it's wrong, but you do it anyway. Isn't that because there's sin that is bound up in our nature? And due to that, the world who, have, who either rejected God or don't even seek Him or don't even look after Him, the Bible is clear that, that from what is made, we can clearly see God's glory. We can see that He is a creator God, that He is good, that He loves us. But yet there's something in, in, intrinsically wrong with, with, our, with our being. There's something wrong that we cannot break out of, and it's called sin. And it's due to us rejecting our Creator. Even those who have been Christians a long time. And I love Andy's preach last week about how we as Christians are positioned in righteousness. And from that place of right thinking about who we are under God, we start to operate. We don't have a sin-filled conscience, but we have a, gr- a grace-filled, we, 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 we have the righteousness of God. And then we start to act who, like, like we think. Okay. So, saying all of that... I don't want to stop there because then it'll be quite a negative preach, okay? That there is a hope in this world. And there's a reason why you're here on a Friday morning instead of going to a brunch, instead of sleeping in, because you want to seek the giver of life. You want to seek the one who brings hope, which is Jesus Christ. And uh, I, heard, I heard a story the other day. Who heard, who's heard of Floyd McClung? He was a, a missionary uh, that went into the worst part of Amsterdam. I've been to Amsterdam a couple of times. When you get out of the train station, go straight, don't go left. That is um, red light district. And as a, a guy, just kind of fairly innocent, I was like, whoa. I was walking with my sister, and she's fairly liberal, um, and she's hopefully going to find Jesus in a, a radical way. But back then, she was even more liberal. And I'm walking along, and like I've just and I've just come out of church world, you know. So like, you know, it's just you, you've got this innocent mindset. I didn't realize how innocent I was until I actually went there, and you just get bombarded with all this stuff. Anyway, so there's this guy, um, Floyd McClung. He goes and sets up a missionary base in the red light districts of Amsterdam. And he starts having Bible, Bible schools, and he starts having uh, home groups, and he's reaching out. He had, like, I think, like 20 or 30 Spanish prostitutes that used to come for a Bible study, and uh, he had people that were off the streets. And where they used to stay, he said, there always used to be this one lady. Uh, they would call her the bag lady because she had all this matted hair. She'd eat out the, the rubbish dump. She'd beg for food. Just really, like, kind of kicked down in life. And... and, and Kind of through the love of the community, the, the people started to invite her to a community group. And she came along, and uh, she went a few times, and slowly kind of started to trust people. And then she saw, the one day there was this old upright piano that was sitting there, and she goes up to him and says, listen, can I play? And they said, go for it. And she starts to play the most incredible music. Chopin, I don't know if I said that right, Beethoven, 
And, uh, and, and people are just amazed at her. And they, so anyway, they start speaking to her and they find out that her story, that she was, um, she was trained at some of the best music schools in Amsterdam. But through a tragedy in the family, she lost hope in humanity. She lost hope in any form of God. She lost hope on life. And she eventually found herself addicted to drugs, shooting heroin on the streets with absolute no hope. And slowly through the love of a community, the hope of a community, the hope of the world, Jesus Christ, she slowly starts to change. And her life comes right. And she, and she, and she gets onto the, the journey of Jesus and we live in a city that is broken. Let's not believe the facade of the, the beauty of Dubai. There's people that are running from stuff or running to stuff. Um, I, I was sitting with uh, uh, Travis the other day having lunch, and he was just telling me some of his interesting conversations and things that happen in his office. People who you think are respectable, and then the night before, slept with prostitutes. They've, they've, just, they've done stuff that, that, that we kind of frown upon, but at the end of the day, sin is sin. And we need to bring and love those people into community, love those people, no matter what they've done, where they're from, what horrendous sin in our eyes we, they, we think they've committed. Jesus is good enough. Jesus is the hope. Jesus is absolutely everything. So I want to just read this in 1 Peter 1. It says this, says Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, to the, uh, God, of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. I'm going to get back to that now. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Other version says, grace and peace be multiplied. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection, there's a few things why we have a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in this last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that uh, the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now that is an incredible passage of Scripture. Can we go back to the first part and we can leave it up? And it says, I'm writing to God's chosen people. It says here, God's elect. Different versions say different things. But I think in, with all that is happening in the world, and sometimes we can be overwhelmed by the negativity in the world, we have to remind ourselves that this is not our ultimate home. That our ultimate home is heaven. It's not some far off distant place. We, in, in a sense, bring heaven to earth. But there's coming a day where Jesus is coming back. And he's going to bring the new heavens and the new earth. And we're going to live in, in community and in harmony with no sin, no hate. No one randomly shooting one another. No one blowing one another up. We're going to understand what the fullness of life is what meant to be what, like it was back in eating. We, we cannot draw identity, our calling, our relationships, our direction from things of this world. 
and I love in worship, we were able to just go to that other level, is that we have a moment in God on a Friday morning, and it should happen every single day of our lives. It shouldn't be just this once-off thing where we can just stand up. In, in uh, Revelations 4, uh, God calls John. He says, come and look up and see what is happening in heaven. And we need to, we need to live from a heavenly perspective down. Realize, it says here, that we are God's chosen people who are living as foreigners. We are living. That doesn't mean that they were kind of uh, Jewish people scattered out. It actually, he was talking about that as Christians, we are, and other versions says that we are aliens living amongst unbelievers. That's why our lives should d- look different. People should ask us, what is, what is it about you? What is the difference about you? Why are you happy? Someone in your family just died, but you find joy. What is that? It doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's otherworldly, and we need to be able to carry that into our lives. We're all expats, am I right? Most of us here, I presume. And, uh, and I, I texted a few people yesterday about what they miss from back home. So Sri Lankans. I'm going to get this horribly wrong, Dinesh. Okay, it's, have you written it up? Oh, no, you haven't. It's ISO or ESSO. E-S-I-S-S-O. ISO. It's prawns, okay. Waday. Ram doesn't miss that. Pillar House. Okay, what is that? Okay, it's apparently a place we go eat. And then Kotu. Kotu Roti I've had. That is, that's amazing. That's heaven's dish. Um, <laughs> then I asked a few people from the UK. Well, one person, and they said, real Cadbury's chocolate. Who's from the UK here? Raise your hand. Hopefully this resonates with you. Um, Cornish pasties. I love Cornish pasties. A big thing in South Africa as well. Roast dinner. Andre and I had a roast dinner when we were in the UK. There is nothing like a UK roast dinner. No matter what you do and no matter what meat you use, a UK roast dinner wins every time. Um, where are we? Bacon sandwiches. Bacon sarnie. Come on. <laughs> and uh, fish and chips, obviously. That's a standard British food. People say British food's terrible. Honestly, it's amazing. Uh, every time I've been there, it's been incredible food. From South Africa, let's shout out a few. What do we miss? Biltong. Cook sisters. Tennis bus. Cream soda. From Oz, Australia, what do you miss? Kangaroo. Kangaroo. <laughs> That's a big rat, by the way, if you want to know that. From Italy, what do you miss? Parmigiano. It just uh, Italians just sound good, no matter what they say. It just sounds good. And the point I'm trying to make is that we think of home, although Stahl and I consider Dubai as home, we, we go on holiday somewhere, we're like, we miss home, this is home for us. But a lot of us are passing through, we're exiles, we, we're passing through to something else. And we, we, we long for the things back home. And I think when we see pain in the world, when we see things that shouldn't be right, there should be like a forward nostalgia to say that I know that this is not the plan of God. That I know that I can be part of the change that brings his kingdom to earth. And the Lord's prayer is this. It says, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If, we have to actually, if Jesus teaches us to pray that, that means that God's will is not fully realized on this planet. There is free choice that we live under. God is ultimately in control and in charge and everything works together. He's utterly sovereign and otherly and he's completely in charge. 
but there's also free choice. And we live in this place that I think we need to have, we need to have a, a longing for our true home where there's going to be no pain, there's going to be no disease, there's going to be no miscarriages, there's going to be none of that. There's going to be wholeness under Jesus Christ. And I think once we realize, and this is what this is um, in Hebrews, it says, our hope is an anchor for our soul. It, 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 it goes behind the curtain. It goes into heaven. It goes, it, it goes into something greater and bigger than ourselves. And it pins us to that so that no matter what we walk through on this planet, we can say that our home is better, that we get into a better place. Jesus is our only hope. We have to have a forward nostalgia. And I want to just unpack just a few things in the scripture. And, uh, and I think when we have to understand that w- w- why is that our living hope? Number one is that we have been chosen by the Father. Point to yourself. I've been chosen. I was a middle-of-the-range sporty person at school. I was only kind of okay at water polo. But... Everything else, I was generally the last guy to get chosen. It was never a good thing. Okay, it's not a, not a nice feeling, okay? God has chosen me. If you read elsewhere in Scripture that God was thinking about Travis, Rom, Starla, Ramsey, Debbie, Ava. God was thinking about you before the creation of the world. We are God's chosen people. We are chosen by a good heavenly father who loves us and is enamored by us and he's been pursuing it. And maybe this is your first time in church and you're going, I don't know what I'm doing here. We had some worship. I don't know what that is. God is pursuing you. God loves you. And I love what Ram says when he had that moment. I don't know if he shared it, but he said he had a moment in the kitchen where he was overwhelmed by God's love and how much God loves him. That is, that is for us, his people, his chosen sons, his chosen daughters. I love in the message it says, there's not one missing, not one forgotten. God the Father has his eye on each of you. And I kept just thinking, the Holy Spirit just keeps bringing me back to this, that God needs us to have a revelation of our Heavenly Father. If I, I, don't want, I wouldn't ask anyone to put up a hand, but if we had to go around the room, most of you would say, I, have a, I don't have a good earthly father. Some of you, you did, and that's great. I do. My dad's amazing. Love, love him, celebrates me. But yet, when, when the, the, an understanding of the heavenly father hit me a few times, it was like someone punched me in the chest and says, you're loved. You're accepted. It's like uh, in South Africa, you, a lot of the guys go, my boy, my boy. You know? And uh, especially where I'm from in Italy, you know, Travis speaks a little bit like that. And... Um, it's like, there's, it's like God the Father is just grabbing you and going, I love you. I love you with an unending love. And we need to understand that. Our identity should hinge off that. That we don't get into striving before the Father. That he's not impressed about what we can or cannot do, but he's impressed by our hearts. I know my dad, he'll walk in uh, and uh, it's sad that they, they have left, but they are going to, onto something greater in Sri Lanka, but... When he walks in, he, he has like a beeline for me, and he just finds me. And I know he loves to spend time with me. That is like our Heavenly Father. And so often we let distractions of this world, we let Facebook, Instagram, uh, social media, we let, for those of you who are looking at Facebook right now, that is a little conviction moment. Um, 
And uh, we let those things cloud our view that the, that the God of the universe actually loves me. And he wants to spend time with me. If we think that having prayer times is about us winning something in prayer, we've, we've forgotten the point of prayer. Jesus teaches about prayer and it starts with adoration. Our Father, our Abba Daddy, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we just come before him and we say, Jesus, we love you. That's why I think that song just resonated in in all of our hearts. Jesus, we love you. We love you. The the one our hearts adore, there's nothing else that I can say, but I love you. And I think God is calling this church, and we're going to be doing a series on prayer, not a religion thing, but for us to actually learn what it means to engage the Father, what it means for us to have a heart-to-heart, deep calling out to deep. And God is wanting that every single day of our lives for all of us. And if we learn how to declutter the noise, switch your phone off, switch emails, switch all of that stuff off, and and focus on the living king who wants to spend time with you. 1 John 3, 1 says this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We are children of the Most High God. Just can we just can that just sink into our hearts for a second? That that God of heaven, who created everything that the scientists are still trying to figure out, He loves us, and He's obsessed, and He's and He's looking down, and He's enamored with you. That is, it should blow our minds. It should be the most important thing about us. I love the word lavish. Because God's not a God of half measures. And uh, a lot, lot of people live in a poverty mentality. And you can even see it in the disciples. They, they come to the end of the day. Jesus says, listen, I've got to feed these 5,000 people. They're like, we have nothing. And it's almost like Jesus, I'm sure in his mind going, do you not know me by now? He says, just go find me two loaves and two fish and five loaves or whatever it is. And, uh, and watch, watch me multiply. And he multiplies to the point where there's extra. With his 12 basketfuls extra, and there's a whole lot of symbolic meaning in that. But simply this, is that Jesus is a God that lavishes to the point of extra. Some people, when we started the church, said to us, oh, you shouldn't have croissants, or you shouldn't have food before the meeting, because that money should go to the poor. I'm like, is God not big enough to provide that for us and to the poor? God is a lavish God. And if we, if we are counting every last fill and every last cent that we have, we've forgotten who God is and how big he is and how lavish. And he wants us to live like that. He wants us to be that agent of generosity with absolutely everything inside of our lives. And I think more and more we have to get back to the scripture where it says that we are chosen by the Father, called out. And it says that we've been sanctified by the Holy Spirit, which means that he is committed to making us look like Jesus. Those of you who've had moments where you're giving your life to Jesus and you have a little wobbly, and the wobbly might mean that, you, that you're away from God for a few years, we know the story of the prodigal son. God is ever pursuing you. The, this, this heavenly father, he welcomes you back. And if that's you this morning, don't think you have to jump through hoops. Don't think that you have to do a whole bunch of things to get God's approval again, because that is a lie from the enemy. All you have to do is come and say, God, I bow my knee before you. And God has his, these open arms. 
I think God is looking for a glimmer. If, if you're kind of running your own way, he's just looking for you to come slightly back. There's always hope. And you know that, that God is committed. And, and those times when you've walked away from God and you've done things that you're not proud of, God keeps calling you back, keeps loving you. So we've been sanctified, which means we are being made like Jesus. We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. This is not... And I love that it says that because then if we think that somehow God loves us or God's blessing me because I've done something, then we get into a works mentality. So the more I work, the more God blesses me. It doesn't work like that. I, told, I shared a couple of weeks ago, someone gave us a car. Did I deserve it? No. Did I, did I ask for it? No. God told me he's going to give it to me. And that may happen to you, may not, but I want, it, 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 it shares something of the lavishness of our Heavenly Father. And I, I, wanna, I almost want to labor on this this morning, is that if we don't get this, we're not going to get anything else. That if we don't understand that He sanctifies us, He lavishes us with His love, He cleanses us with His blood, which means that it's all about Him. That He makes us worthy to stand before Him, this living King, beautiful. And then it comes to this verse, it says that we are born again, into a living hope, according to his great mercy, not ours. I want to read John 3, verse 3. It says this, And Jesus replied, I tell you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can a man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom without being born of water and of the Spirit. Water in the Spirit is being in the Spirit, but also being baptized in water. There's a newness, there's a freshness. And there's something that happens when Jesus calls us and we become born again. There's, there's, there's new desires. If go read 1 John. It speaks about what, we sh- what almost our response to the Father should be once we've understood who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Everything in our life changes. There's life. John 10.10 10 is my scripture for 2016. That God comes to bring, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So anything that falls in those three categories, God said that he came to do those. God never did that. It's, it's utterly the devil, steal, kill, destroy. He comes to bring life and life abundantly. And that life is obviously found in Jesus Christ. We, the, being born again, I love what it says in Ezekiel 36, 26. I think I've got it up here. It says, and I will give you a new heart. Say new heart. And I will put a new spirit, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, say stubborn heart, and give you a tender, responsive heart. It's all about Jesus. He comes, he meets me, he met me uh, when I was young, but again, I, I walked away from God. He met me again in 2001, and he says, what are you doing with your life? It was almost an audible voice from God. He pulled me towards himself. And he gave me a new heart, new desires. We are a work in progress. No one's expecting perfection on any level. God is wanting us just to come before him. And he changes our heart to be like him. There's a lot I can say. I feel like I've done what I need to do. Andre and Michelle, would you mind coming up? I want to, I want to read that scripture again. How great is, is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Can we all stand? <laughs>